everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is the 360th episode of this podcast that we have done. That means in five weeks, there'll be 365, and you can listen from the start, and you can listen to one Sports with Friends every day of a year, unless it's a leap year, and we'd have to make an extra one. I hope you all have had a nice summer so far. Uh, this week, uh, I spent the weekend in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it was not my first time. I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, I actually lived in Brooklyn when I started my career at MLB. Um, Brooklyn hosted the Formula E race, uh, the New York City E-Prix. Two rounds. They did a doubleheader. They did both Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's race was wild. There was a massive rainstorm with about 10 minutes to go in the race, and there was a massive pileup. I'd never seen anything like that, and I've covered eight races in person, and I watched them all. Nick Cassidy won it. Lucas DeGrasse, a veteran of Sports with Friends. He is episode 194. Uh, he took second. And Robin Frines took third. Then on Sunday, the rain went away. The humidity was there, and oh my goodness, did we sweat. A great guy. Antonio Felix DaCosta won it. Stoffel Van Dorn uh, took second from Mercedes. And then from Jaguar, Mitch Evans, somebody we're targeting to get on the podcast, finished third. But one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is to see what the state of Formula E is. And we are going to hear from some really cool voices, including Oliver Askew, who is the only American driver on the championship right now. We're also going to revisit with our old friend uh, Jack Nichols, who is the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for Formula E on the world feed. He's all over the planet. Um, and I thought, and I've told him publicly, and I've tweeted about this, CBS is not airing Jack and Dario Franchitti, who's also been on the podcast, um, and they're doing it because they want American uh, announcers. And unfortunately, they don't know, whoever the announcers are, they don't know Formula E like these guys. They've called every race Jack Nichols has called every race in this sports existence, and this is season eight. So we'll hear from Jack Nichols. Also, Andre Lauderer of Porsche. Uh, he was a guest on Sports with Friends. That's episode 345. So we just recently spoke to him, but there's been a big announcement in his world, and he's going to tell us here on the podcast. I got a chance to see him face to face, which is really, really cool as well. We're also going to hear from a legend, just a minute, from a press conference that Michael Andretti, one of the most successful drivers in auto racing history, Michael Andretti owns a team in Formula E, and he was at a press conference, and so was the CEO, Jamie Regal. He's the CEO of Formula E. So let's start it off with Andretti. He was asked about the motorsports in general. Uh, what has led to the increased popularity of Formula One? Uh, the status of NASCAR, and also Formula E. This is Michael Andretti from a press conference this week. You know, I don't know how much uh, Drive to Survive has to do with it here in the States, because obviously it's, uh, it, it's helped Formula One grow immensely in the last couple of years, but then I think maybe all the other motorsports are, are growing with it. But, uh, yeah, there is a big interest, not just in, in uh, uh, Formula One in the States. You positives to go in that side as well so yeah i think racing as he said is is in a good spot at the moment you know it's funny i haven't watched that netflix documentary and everybody tells me it's fantastic i watch so many documentaries and the fact that it is so many seasons already um 
it's just very interesting. What compels me to Formula E, we started it off with the podcast with Sir Richard Branson. It was recorded in Paris, France, and it was such a pleasure. Episode 138. It was so much fun, and I was really, really gripped, uh, and I have been a, a staunch supporter ever since season five uh, when we first started covering this event. Next year, they're going to introduce the Gen 3 car. One thing that was not really talked about in depth, the Season 9 schedule came out and New York City is not on it. There is actually no American city. And I know that Formula E is talking to other places in America uh, and that it might not return to Brooklyn. And that, that would be sad because I've enjoyed covering all the Brooklyn races every year for like the last four years. The CEO of Formula E is Jamie Regal. He took over after I started covering uh, this sport. We're looking to get him on for a full podcast, but here he addressed the rule changes and all the technology changes that may be coming down the pike. As someone who was relatively new to motorsport three years ago, probably took for granted is the sporting elements in, in football and soccer, or, you know, European football, those are constant, right? I mean, maybe a pass interference rule changes, you know, now we have, I don't know, uh, goal line technology in soccer. But fundamentally, the rules of the game are consistent. They've been the same for 50, 60 years, and they've built a commercial proposition on top of that. I think what we found with Formula E, candidly, was we had to tweak the yeah. formats, right, to make sure that, you know, we're in the fast-moving water for the reasons Michael talked about, right? The younger consumers want to, uh, you know, see sports that reflect their values. We've got a technology shift that's once in a century, so we're in the fast-moving water. But ultimately, if the sporting proposition isn't compelling, then you know it's not just because people are driving more electric cars. We're going to have a successful sport, right? So we really looked at that with, with you know, folks like Ian, obviously working really closely with the the FIA and saying, okay, how do we make sure the sporting proposition is set up in a way where the best teams and drivers win? Yeah, and I know that kind of sounds obvious, but you know, we had some quirks in our structure that meant that that wasn't always the case. So you want surprises and unpredictability like you have in sports, but you also want the fans to know, okay, if this driver is the best and he or she has the best powertrain, they should generally be at the front. So we switched our qualifying product last year, our qualifying format. Next year, we're going to try to figure out, okay, how do we institute a charging system into the race? That's super exciting. How do we make sure that's a really exciting element of the sport so right. that it sucks people in as opposed to, because no one really wants to just watch someone charge their car. I mean, I, I hope I'm not offending my friends at ABB or anyone. <laughs> We're trying to figure out, working with the teams, working with the FIA, how do we make that an exciting moment? How does it add jeopardy to the sport? How does it allow the teams to express themselves? Meaning the strategy that they have, when they go in, how long they charge for, what does it allow them to do in terms of unlocking more power? So what's super cool, this is a long answer now, I apologize, but what's super cool with Formula E is we can tweak the rules. Right. Based on the technology, based on what the fans are telling us, based on what's available from our partners, to be able to, you know, make a better sport. You know, you can't tweak the rules of soccer. Right. right? Like, that would be really controversial. We can play. Yeah. We don't always get it right, but that's, that's, that's kind of the fun piece. Now, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I like the idea of changing the rules and including, look, they've introduced attack mode, the fan boost I've been a big fan of. Now they're going to find ways to charge the car during the race. That's very, very intriguing. I just don't want to make the race too long because one of the things I love about Formula E is how quick it's over. And it's uh, 45 minutes plus one lap, and it's super exciting, and then it ends. And that is really appealing for me in my short attention span. All right, now it's time to welcome in the only American driver on the Formula E circuit, 
He is part of the Avalanche Andretti Formula E team. He's a 2019 Indy Lights champion, born in Melbourne, Florida, and raised in Jupiter. I've been to Jupiter dozens of times covering spring training. Uh, Oliver Askew here on Sports with Friends. This was our conversation just a few days ago in Brooklyn. First of all, it's good to meet you. It's uh, it, it's good to talk to a fellow American. Uh, I haven't had talked to a lot of Americans since covering Formula E. What is that experience like, being the only one of something? It's a privilege to be able to represent my country um, and to be racing for such an incredible team, one of the, one of the two American teams in the series, Avalanche Andretti, Formula E. Um, I've had experience racing for Andretti Autosport in the past, though yeah, just in the States, so be, right. to be racing on the world stage um, as an American representing my country, it's uh, something that I don't take lightly and um, you know, I, I strive to be able to represent my country the best I can. The, the uniqueness of it is, you know, there's such a strong European contingent in here. As you're progressing through your driving career, you have options and you grew up in Florida. You have many options. How do you gravitate towards this? goes along with what we just spoke about you know the, the opportunity to race on the global stage with the best drivers in the world with a, with a series that's continuing to grow um, as Formula E is um, you know that the world has is becoming more electric and I think this series is is going to have a serious sig uh, historical significance in the future and uh, yeah to, to be able to join this team and, and to hopefully carry on and, and grow with this team and uh, and the series, you know, into Gen Three, I think is is uh, is very special, and um, yeah, hopefully we can get the chance to do that. This is probably my fourth or fifth season uh, following this, and I remember uh, meeting with uh, Alejandro Agag and, and and the guys who 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 started Formula E, and there's a certain element of well, these teams are racking their brains trying to create these you know superior batteries to win a race and to get a trophy and to get points. And yet those batteries can then translate into consumer cars. It's like, it's the only sport that literally could save the world. Yeah, it's, and that's what makes the series, I think, so significant. You know, the software that we're, that we're um, building and yeah, constructing in, in this series ends up into the consumer market. You know, the, the man, it's a manufacturer driven series. And I think, um, you know, with yeah, Maserati joining next year and, um, um, yeah, you have brands like Jaguar, massive companies, you know, involved in this, in this series. I think, I think it says a lot about where we are um, in the world as far as consumer cars go and as far as, you know, electric racing goes. Do you get the sense that because this is season eight that there's a responsibility that Formula E has to produce something for the, 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 the regular world um, that – you know, it's really cool to see who wins and who doesn't, and, and, and that and that's all sports news. But the reality of it is, is you know, as this circuit reaches year ten, people are going to start to see. Well, what'd you create? Yeah. Well, you got to look at the venues that we go to. Um, Jakarta stands out to me the most, heavily polluted city, and to be able to go there and uh, and, and have a huge crowd on hand and to show them that electric cars are cool you know and and it's not um well it, and it will be something that that is going to take over the world at, at some point and um 
for them to relate, for the, for the consumers to relate to something that's racing on track, that's very cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all around, I think, uh, a great opportunity. Tell me if you felt the same way. In America, growing up, I grew up in the Northeast, you grew up in the, in the Southeast. Yeah. Uh, racing was never a big thing. It was never like the, the big story in, in sports. I've been to the Rome race, I was in Mexico City. It's the biggest thing in, in going on. Why is it so universally accepted elsewhere and not in the United States? I don't have a good answer for you on that one. I, I don't. You, could, you could bullshit one. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think because America does sport so well, it's hard to tap into that market. You know, it's. Uh, I feel like global sport is so centered around um, around America, and we we set the standard for for most ball sports. You know, aside from soccer, which is more international. Um, I just think it's difficult to tap into that market when you have fans that are so dedicated to their own sport, their own sport that they're following, you know? I think that's what, what it comes down to. And, and understand the context in which I'm saying this, it seems like auto racing in America is very separated, yeah. uh, you know? Not, not in terms of race, or I'm not getting into any of that bullshit. What I'm suggesting is that there are parts of this country where racing's massive, mm -hmm. and yet parts that don't acknowledge it and and that's different what's the what what do you think the appeal or lack of appeal in parts of america are i think it could come down to storytelling and european series and, and maybe formula one does a bit of a better job of, of telling the stories of of drivers and, and making us look like like superheroes you know and i, I think I think racing in the states recently they've they've caught on to that and obviously you have drive to survive that has boosted the image of of motorsport around the world not even just in formula one so um i think people are beginning to relate to that a bit more and, and since that netflix experiment we realize how huge of a of a tool that is in, in order to um to grow the word of, of motorsport in the u.s so i think you'll see You'll see IndyCar start to do something more like that, and, and to, yeah, they've, I think a lot of racing series in, in the U.S. has learned from that and, and has, has, has been a benefactor of that. Do you, do you get the sense, though, that the FIA, let's just say Formula One or Formula E, um, is just very highbrow? It's very James Bond. It's very, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't, it, it seems very, you know, like what the Kentucky Derby is. Like, I feel like people get dressed up to go to, to Formula E races, and, that, and that's looking at races all over the country. Like I said, I was in Paris, and I couldn't believe how many people, like, get dolled up for the yeah. banquets and all the things, and you don't see that at a NASCAR event. No. I think you have different fan bases, you know. That's what it comes down to. Um, maybe Formula E and, and Formula One kind of target a certain fan base and nascar has a certain fan base and indycar has a certain fan base so you know what i'm gonna bring in my engineer hey dan come here come here dan dan it's a fun podcast, a podcast. come on oh he's yelling at me because he wants me to go on a track walk so oh, okay. um yeah let's we can wrap up. yeah let's wrap up. okay yeah. <laughs> no problem um the reliance on team um the idea that battery uh consumption it's something that you have to be on, but your team has to be as well. It's different than once you 
in, in, in other car, in, in gas cars, you fill up and it's, it's kind of just you on, on, on the own. What about the reliance on team? The engineering group that we have here is, is, is incredible and I, I do rely on them significantly when I'm out there. But at the same time, you know, there's been situations where I lack that experience and, and I'm not able to make decisions on my own. So I think as I gain more experience, I'm able to do that, give them, give them some better feedback, um, just have better communication on track during the races and that's super key in, in, in Formula E because it's just a big chess match. There's um, all kinds of stuff going on with our competitors and energy management and um, depending on what strategy we're on, you know, it, it could could lead us on the back foot or it could benefit us at the end of the race. So um, I've gotten a good feel for that now. Obviously, each track is different and, you know, our, our speed and at each circuit uh, seems to fluctuate a bit. So we'll see what we have this weekend. Last thing, uh, fan boost. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. What American sport should have a fan boost? Like should, if an NFL team got enough fans, should they get an extra down? Yeah. Or uh, how come you don't have the entire country voting for you? You have so many people, more people than like the guy from Morocco. Right. I think that goes to show how <laughs> little people in the U.S. understand Formula E. And that, that's unfortunate. But I think, I think as time goes on, I think that will get much better. It's, it's, it, naturally, it will, it will start to grow in, in the States um, as EVs become more more relevant and um it's a really good idea fan, fan boost is a really good idea yeah it, it is and that's funny that's funny you ask you know what how could other sports yeah. use something like that and, and i'm sure they can you know but um hey great to see you thanks so much good luck thank you very much we'd like to welcome a new sponsor to sports with friends the guys at snap supplements nitric oxide organic beets you know everybody knows getting old sucks yes it beats the alternative but everything now hurts, everything is harder, your body's just not functioning the way it was before. Everything just gets a little bit harder to do. That's because the body naturally produces less nitric oxide as we age, while the risks for high blood pressure and heart disease increase. The natural style of life. That's where SNAP Supplements Nitric Oxide Organic Beets comes in. It supports healthy heart function, promotes healthy blood flow and circulation with natural ingredients. It takes the best part of whole organic beets, the amino acids, and the vitamins without any of the mess that comes from cooking with them. Have you ever gotten a red beetroot stain? You can't get it out. It'll go on your hands. It'll be there for weeks. I've been trying these nitric oxide organic beets, and I've got to tell you, so far I feel better. Got a little bit of zip in my step. Snap Supplements is offering listeners of Sports with Friends a 10% discount on their first purchase by using the link gobeats.com slash sports10. That's G-O-B-E-E-T-S dot com slash sports10. Try it out. Your body will thank you. So I know that every Formula E uh, podcast that we do, uh, this is the only time we had to interview an American, uh, he had to go part of uh, training and practice. So I run into an old friend, Jack Nichols, the uh, uh, world feed play-by-play -play voice of Formula E. And it must be strange to, of all the, of all the seasons, to have an American driver, an American driver that comes from a background that he could have gone NASCAR, he could have gone IndyCar. He didn't have to go to this global circuit. 
Absolutely, and it's it's really interesting that that's happened because we've had a few American drivers in the past in Formula E. Back in the day, there was uh, Scott Speed, and um, we had Mark. A driver's name was Scott Speed. Yeah. Is that a fake name? No, he ra- he raced in Formula One. Scott Speed. He's uh, he... there's a traffic guy named Bernie Wagonblast, and we think that's made up. <laughs> but yeah, there was uh, we had a few Formula E drivers right at the start. There hasn't been one for for years, and it's great to have Askew on board. And he's a he's a nice guy. He's getting up to his speed. He's in a tough team alongside Jake Dennis. But you're right. This guy raced in Indy Lights. He's raced, uh, you know, in in IndyCar as well. And he's and he's ended up here. And so I think it shows the the way that Formula E is growing in the in the states and getting a bit bigger. That that American drivers now see it as a opportunity rather than being a very European centric based championship which is what you know this kind of motorsport used to be well one of the things that ask you was quick to mention you know when when i've been to other cities when i've seen formula e in in paris mm. the whole city becomes alive you know supporting this sport and and racing in general here it's it's very fractionalized it's only you know 40 percent of americans really follow auto racing let alone and I know that Netflix series has helped, and I and I understand the story behind that. What is it about auto racing, not from the American perspective, but from the European perspective, that it is so highbrow and so uh, very well thought of? It's a very interesting question. I think it's I think it's one that transcends Europe. There aren't a lot of sports that that transcends the European countries. You have soccer. And every country in Europe is completely into soccer, right? And that exists. That's kind of it. Because then I'm uh, rugby. You know, us British people are famous for rugby. And okay, they did one episode of Friends where they played rugby, but that's kind of it, you know. And uh, wow, that's that's a random reference, but yeah. But you know what I mean. So like rugby, it's a very weird British sport, and the French play it as well. And that's sort of it. And then it's just like Australia and New Zealand. So that doesn't transcend. Um, handball is a very European sport that doesn't transcend to the UK. Whereas cars, for some reason, always has been a huge deal in Europe. And I don't know if that's because you have the German car manufacturers of Mercedes, BMW, Porsche. You have the French Renaults and, uh, and the like. And then you have the British brands like Jaguar, you know, all of these racing here in Formula E. But I think that... It, 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 in the old... The reason... Here we go. The reason Ferraris are red and Jaguars are green is because in the early days of auto racing, they would paint the cars in the country's colors. So that's why Ferraris are red, Alfa Romeos are red, Maseratis are red, because that was the color of Italy. And so it created this almost like international competition that auto racing became between European nations. So I think that's why it kind of transcended a bit more and that's why it was almost like the, you know, the peak of uh, technological advancement. So I think that's why it's seen quite high brow over here. Whereas maybe in the States, it was, you know, you, you put the biggest engine you can in the front of your car and go in a straight line and see who's fast. Be as loud as you can. Yeah, exactly. And I look, and I love it, but it, that's why it's, a, I think, a different attitude because it wasn't like the States were competing against a different country to build the best cars. It was just, you know, an, an internal kind of situation. You know, you referenced it here and uh, uh, we talked about this off air. You referenced uh, soccer or football. The Premier League in the United States signed 
the fourth highest media rights deal for U.S. media rights really? with NBC, the Premier League. So not soccer. Yeah. It's not MLS. It's not Bundesliga. Yeah. It's the Premier League. Yeah. Actually, there's more money being spent on, on Premier League rights than the NHL. And so I guess my question is, is, is it just that that's the, the creme de la creme? So, like, for example, in Japan, they watch Major League Baseball. That it's not so much that you have to have a local league. It's that once you find that, technology allows you to see it no matter where you happen to be. I think that's very true. I, I didn't know that about the about the Premier League rights. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's so, it was so exponential, and it was NBC spent this money for only U.S. rights. So the Premier League is doing that in all other countries. They're making tons <laughs> of money. Yeah, and that's and that and you know, and it's one thing breeds the other, right? So they're making tons of money from it. So more money goes back. To the teams in the Premier League and they can buy the best players and you know I was just walking around today and I look on my phone and oh someone has signed this player for 55 million pounds Man City have signed someone from Leeds and you're like it's just unbelievable the amount of money involved um, so yeah I, I think you're right in that you can have the local you know your your local leagues or whatever and, and people can go and enjoy the MLS I've been to a few MLS matches and, and the quality yeah, fine quite good. yeah there's, there's nothing bad about it no, exactly but it's why everyone watches the Olympics every four years and watches sports they don't care about. But you know, these are the best high jumpers in the world. You don't care a jot about high jumpers for three and a half years. But then suddenly, every four, you're like, wow, can't wait to see who wins the high jump. You know, because it's the best of the best. It's good to see you, man. And uh, I need to see you call play-by-play -play of a high jump. Wow, he, he jumped really, really high. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fallen over. Something like that, yeah. Good to see you. Man. You too. Cheers, sir. Always great to uh, visit with. Always great to visit with Jack Nichols, and I'm going to say this on the podcast. Uh, they they do a better broadcast. Use a VPN. Pretend uh, that you're overseas, and uh, you watch their world feed on. Uh, I think it's British Channel Four, and uh, it's a fantastic. It's a great broadcast, and it's what I've come to know. Oh, these uh, few years covering this sport. A couple of months ago, we had Andre Lauderer on the podcast, episode 345. The, in it, uh, we talked about his future, but he didn't have an announcement that he could have made. Andre is going to stay with Porsche, but he is going to be part of the FIA World Endurance Championship. And that's motorsport. And that's motorsport that is, you know, gas cars. Uh, long-range endurance racing. Uh, he's still going to be involved with Formula E, but he's not going to be a driver on the team, and he wanted to update us. So I caught up with Andre Lauder over there by the Porsche garage at the Formula E race, the NYC E-Prix. So, Andre, first of all, uh, it's good to see you face-to-face. I understand that you prefer Zoom, so if you'd like, we can go to the other room and we can connect on Zoom. No, no, I don't prefer. It's better like that. <laughs> Congratulations on the decision to, to leave Formula E. What went through your process? Is that something you initiated? Did somebody approach you? Long range was something that you were very interested in. How did that all come about? 
Well, I come from endurance racing, uh, first of all. Uh, I was with Porsche in 2017 after being years with Audi in endurance and winning Le Mans. Um, but then uh, things changed and Formula E became the relevant championship to be in uh, with. Uh, and uh, especially when Porsche joined, I, I joined them. And um, I have the fortunate uh, situation that I'm, I'm, I'm racing for, for this brand. And um, uh, you, you have to op the, the option to follow their projects. And um, they announced their return in endurance. So we sat down together, decide what we do. If I stay in Formula E or go there, and then uh, we took the, the uh, joint decision that I'll return to endurance and um, still looking at how my involvement in Formula E will be. Obviously, I have uh, experience with the team and would like to, to give my support to them beyond. Um, uh, beyond that, so uh, I'll, I'll for sure I'll be busy in both championships. Uh, we just need to see how. What's the biggest for the for the audience who's kind of a novice to uh, the racing circuit, especially the electric racing circuit? What's the biggest difference between uh, endurance racing versus electric? Well, the the distance first of all. Well, no, <laughs> that's the obvious. <laughs> no, but. Um, you, you know how to make me look stupid, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and the noise. Um, the energy management is the biggest uh, aspect of this championship in Formula E. You have to, uh, compared to a qualifying lap where you have maximum push, um, in the race you have to save 20 or 30% of the energy per lap. So meaning that you're lifting before the breaking point, let the car coast, recuperate energy manually and then brake to go into the corner. So every corner has the optimum uh, way of doing that the most efficiently. And uh, this makes makes the race very strategic uh, over the 45 minutes. How to deploy the energy and how to, 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 to battle other cars. Um, and it's all about the efficiency. And there's also um, a lot of equality in this championship. We have exactly the same amount of power, same battery. Um, same cars so we only make the difference with the powertrain and inverter whereas in endurance we have our engine uh, like a whole you know uh, now in the new LMDH rules there are a lot of common parts as well it's going to be more equal than back in the LMP1 days where the cars were technologically uh, more more complex and more individual concept wise but yeah I would say that is the main uh, difference do you see where, where do you see if you're involved or not involved, where do you see this sport growing? Is it just a matter of getting more popular or is it a matter of making sure that some of the technology that's invented for this sport starts to go into uh, consumer cars? That's something you were very adamant about on the podcast. Yeah, there are different aspects to, to that. Uh, one is obviously marketing, to use this as a platform for the brands to represent uh, uh, electromobility through racing and uh, to uh, you know show that to the world that we are we can race electric and and be uh, be super cool with this and uh, bring the race to the people and I think uh, bringing uh, new venues new uh, cities to to the calendar and to to show our uh, show to 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 the world in new cities it's very relevant and important as a to, to make family grow. Then you have the technological aspect where we bring new technologies and uh, Gen 3 is coming next year. So we'll 
will show the world a, a faster car, more power, more efficient, a lighter car. So this is uh, also going in the, in the right direction. And then just in general, uh, the, the, the way it's growing, I think we, we, we try to reach out to, to more audiences uh, going around the world and um, just growing uh, as a sport gradually. It's, uh, it's season eight now and I think it's still very young as a, as a championship. Of course, you can't compare it to Formula One yet in terms of size. We, were, we don't operate uh, with the same budgets or anything. We're still, let's say, um, growing with, with, with everything and trying to just create a bigger audience uh, gradually and then get more fans. I think our product is very good because we deliver a really good uh, show. Uh, um, besides that, we are representing sustainability and, and racing clean and electric and, and it's also the direction everything is going in the world of electric cars but the show itself is very good well, congratulations and uh, through all your your new travels I hope to keep in touch and have you back thank you it's very cool and uh, now officially can call Andre Lauder a friend our thanks to Michael Andretti, Jamie Regal, Jack Nichols, Oliver Askew, and Andre Lotterer. And again, uh, we love covering Formula E. We hope to do it more. Uh, either we'll travel or they're going to come back to the United States. It's a great sport. It's a lot of fun. The timing of the races all depends on what part of the world they're in. And it's very, very exciting to follow and keep connected with. Next week, we're going to tackle college football. Andy Staples from The Athletic is going to break down the Super Conference, the SEC and the Big Ten going big time. Where does that leave the little guy? And as a Syracuse alum, I'm very interested in that. We'll have much, much more. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to To stay here, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Count on grace, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone, because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person. 